Thank you. So good to be in the house of the Lord. Aren't you glad you woke up and, and you made it here today? Amen. Hey, listen, as powerful as it's been here today, and, and I want to echo what Pastor Allen said. For those of you that are watching us online, you're enjoying getting a start on your Labor Day festivities. Thanks for carving out some time to be with us. And it is thick in this room today. It really is. The presence is here. But we know that God is a God that's not limited to one location. You know, it's pretty awesome. He's pretty powerful. He's big. He's covering an other locations all throughout our city and this region. And, you know, we're honored at 1910 that we get to partner with other like-minded, like-spirited, kingdom-minded churches. And so we carve out time each week to, to pray for other moves of God. Is that okay? I, I, you know, so we just, we, we're, we're part of a team. And, uh, and we want to honor that. Today, we're going to pray for Pastor Jared Patrick and the Bridge Fellowship. They meet over in, uh, at, at Herf Elementary, which is located in Esperanza. Herf Elementary is located in Esperanza. It's not located in Herf Ranch. Herf Elementary is in Esperanza. There's a different school with a different name in Herf Ranch, but Herf Elementary is in Esperanza. Just, it's confusing sometimes. I just have to repeat myself to just get it. But listen, no, we are honored. Pastor Jared and them next Sunday will be celebrating their two-year anniversary. They're two-year-old. Isn't that awesome? And, and I asked him, how can we pray, Pastor Jared? He said, well, we're going to celebrate with baptisms next Sunday at, at the Bridge Fellowship. And so I think we can get behind new life in Christ. Can we not? But he also said this. He said, hey, listen, would you just pray because for our setup and our teardown teams. They're portable. We can relate to that. We understand that. And just pray that they would continue to remain strong and faithful. Are you guys okay if we pray that for another fellowship of brothers and sisters that are gathered today? If, if you feel comfortable, grab a hand next to you uh, today as, as we pray. And let's just lift up the Bridge Fellowship. And Pastor Jared, Patrick, God, thank you so much. What an honor and privilege it is for us to suit up on Team Jesus with other churches, other pastors like Jared Patrick at the Bridge Fellowship. And God, we pray for those gathered there today that, that, that above every incredible thing that's going to happen from from, from worship to kids' ministry to the greeting and community. Lord, I pray above all they would encounter the presence of a living God. God, that you would use Pastor Jared in a mighty way as he speaks and declares your goodness. Lord, we celebrate with him coming up on a, a two-year anniversary. God, thank you for the, the lives that have been influenced with the gospel, eternities that have been shifted and changed. God, thank you, God, for that for that ministry, the Bridge Fellowship, and we pray for them. God, I want to pray for their teams today that have been there early setting it up, and many of them will stay late tearing it down, and, 
God, I just pray that right now, that, that, that those that are involved in, in that set up and tear down work, God, could they just feel your pleasure over them right now? That you delight in them and that God, you are so thrilled that, that they would get up early, that they would sweat to create environments for you to show up in. God, it's a big deal in your economy. And I pray that those servants would understand that it means something. Just as important as Pastor Jared is going to stand and deliver the, the sermon of his life today. And kids are going to have great opportunities to experience Jesus in their own special way. And God, I just pray that those people that create the space would understand what a big deal it is in what you're doing today at the Bridge Fellowship. We celebrate with them the lives that have been transformed. And God, we pray that as great as the first two have been, may the next 222 be even greater as they point people to Jesus. God, that's our prayer here today as well. God, we want everything, as, as Naomi mentioned, to be about Jesus. We want to focus on you, Jesus. You are our audience today. It's, we're not here for anyone else. We're, 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 we are here because we desire a touch from heaven. Come on, is that right, church? Lord, I, I pray that over these next few moments that, that, that there would be, if not already, a shift take place in us. That when we leave here, we leave here differently. Lord, just as the wise men came a certain way, the shepherds came a certain way and found the newborn king lying in a manger in Bethlehem, that they left, Scripture says, differently as a result of an encounter with the king. Oh, come on. We don't have to wait for Christmas for the encounter with the king to change us. May it happen today. It's Labor Day weekend. Woo. And God, I want to pray for those that are laboring in a relationship with you. They feel like they've got to work harder, do more, serve more, know more, act better, blah, 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 whatever. Lord, I pray that they would just understand it's all about surrender. It's about submission. It's about humbling myself. Lord, there is nothing we have to do to earn our salvation. It's already taken place on the cross. Come on, somebody. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Woo. God, when you said it is finished, it was. There's nothing else we have to do except humble ourselves, confess our sins, and ask Jesus to save us. The labor can end today, the toiling and the working and trying to be better. No, just let Jesus have a hold of you. Let him bring transformation to your life and walk in the freedom that he gives. So God, I've asked for a lot of things, but you're a big God and you can handle it. Come on, y'all know God can handle this, right? So Holy Spirit, continue to do what you do. In the mighty, awesome, powerful name of Jesus, everybody in this house and online said, come on, everybody on, online and in the house said, let's go, let's go. Hey, look at your neighbor right now. said, you sing really good. You really can. Maybe you make arrangements to be in heaven with me when we worship the Lord forever because it was fun worshiping with you today. Hey, today we're going to continue in this series entitled Blueprint. It looks like a construction zone up here. We are building the house of God. And, 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 and over the last few weeks, and we're going to continue uh, for a few more, just to, we're, we're, we're setting some, listen, a, a structure is only as good as the foundation in which it's built upon, Correct. 
Uh, I shared with you guys several weeks ago that before they poured the concrete in this 32,000 square feet that we are in today, uh, uh, Pastor Angie and I came out with hard hats in the dark of night. And right before the mud started flowing, we started placing prayer and scripture all throughout this building. So this house literally is built on the word of God. I don't know what you're building on, but here's what we believe that a foundation that's built on, on something constant and steady and true and right is going to withstand the storms, the trials and the tests that surely will come. Right. Amen. If you build a house, you know that, right? That's why it takes so long for the foundation to be set. I was with some friends this week in, in, in Florida and, and they're adding on to their house. And, and literally we were there when that, when that little tractor scraped that first scrape of dirt and we watched them lay out the trenching for the, is it called the footers? Something like that, the footers, and they, we watched these, these guys that were incredible trench that and put down rebar and specialized whatever's they do. And then we, we, we watched concrete come in and be poured there. And of course, I write my name in it because I want them to remember me forever. And um, come on, you know you did that. How many of you did that as a kid? Come on. How many of you still do it as adults? Yeah, probably legal, but that's okay. That's... Um, but, but, but we understand, I saw the process that it goes through a structure that's going to stand has to be built on a firm foundation. If you're married, you know, you know that if you build your marriage on the foundation on Jesus, the one who created marriage, you stand a better chance of surviving when the storms come your way, right? Come on. How many of you know that a marriage built on Jesus is best? Amen. He created it. We probably ought to consider what he has to say about it, right? Uh, how many of you know that if you raise your kids in a God honoring way, those banshees turn out oftentimes a little bit better than it is just a little bit easier sometimes when they start to go, we'll just do what they do, right? Hey, listen, we all were like that though, weren't we? Come on, you were. Some of you still are, but that's okay. And uh, God's your work in progress is what I always tell my mama. I'm a work in progress, mom. But uh, it's just a foundation so important. So over the last few weeks, we've been talking about some foundational things that make us who we are here at 1910 Church. We've, we've, we've celebrated some things that are important to us, like baptism and communion. Ordinances that Jesus set aside for us as the church to participate in. We love transformation. We love when lives are changed. and see baptisms break out and, and take place, right? We, we've talked about this, this idea of, of, of being um, unified as the body of Christ being one. That's the final thing that Jesus prayed for us before he ascended to heaven, that, that we would be one. God, may they be one as you and I are one father, and it will prove to the world who, who we are. We've talked about this idea of, of being in community, one with one with each other. As great as we think we are, none of us are ever created to live this Lone Ranger type of life. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto, and you need other people in your life also to encourage you, push you forward, shape, mold, whatever, chisel at. Listen, they just need, we need other people. Community's a big deal, right? We, 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 we've talked about this idea of of, of, of worship and one of the, the pillars of this church and why it was created and, and established. One of the things was we, we wanted to create gatherings and, and environments where there was no mistaking that people had been in the presence of God. Come on, have you felt them here today? And I pray that even those of you watching online, that somehow you have been invaded. Your space is space invaders. Ooh, that would be a great sermon series. How many of you remember that? I pray for some space invasion taking place today, wherever you're at. 
that you would feel the presence of the Lord. And we wanted to create that for you. And because we just believe that if we can get people to the presence of Jesus, oh, it's just better. It's just better. I mean, come on, this is better than America's got talent. You know that. Come on. Right. And, and by the way, how do they let some of those people on that show? I'm just like, I would not go to Vegas for that. I go for the food. But anyway, that's a different story. But, 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 but listen, Jesus is better. And that was one of the big things that he told us when we created this. By the way, next Sunday is our 16-year anniversary. How about that as a church? So it's awesome. You heard last Sunday from our incredible student pastor, Pastor Mark Sarbulesco. How about that? Was that not wonderful or what? You know, it was incredible. I mean, we had offers from some big, heavy hitters, great men and women of God that wanted to come in. We turned down them coming in to speak. Franklin Graham, we don't need you. Joyce Meyer, we don't need you. Rick Warren, you're not preaching at Saddleback anymore. We don't need you. We got Mark Sarbulescu. Look awesome, man. Look at a Backstreet Boy last Sunday. It was awesome, man. All in, all in white. It was absolutely incredible. Everybody. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. But listen, you heard from our student pastor last week the, the importance. Another one of those things for us is, listen, we value, we value kids and youth ministries here at 1910. Hey, I'm so thankful for Lori Barker and her team that right now are knocking it out of the park back in our preschool and elementary wing and all those volunteers and, and our student ministry, the Hill that meets on Wednesday nights. And listen, statistics say that if we don't reach people with the gospel by the age of 18, there is a strong percentage, a very small percentage actually, that they never will say yes to Jesus. And so that's why we value it. I'm so thankful for, for Pastor Mark and what he's doing. And, and oh, by the way, check this out. Listen, for, for those of you that have been coming for an amount of time, say a month, <laughs> And you've not gotten involved in, in helping us build the kingdom and advance the gospel. Listen, this is an invitation for you to get involved. If you ain't helping, you ain't helping. And uh, there's a calling on this house. And, and, and maybe I would just encourage you, hey, start with, with our kids ministry or start with the hill. Most of the time they have food and snacks involved in their ministries. Okay. And so you can't go wrong there. But, but, but listen, those are great ways for you to make an investment in the lives of young people where let's just, the cement's still a little bit wet and we have an opportunity to get the hands of Jesus on their young lives, right? Let be honest with you. You probably had somebody when you were nine or when you were 14, somebody that played a role in your life, right? An adult, somebody that said, you know what? I don't even know if I like kids, but I love Jesus and whew, I'm just going to trust him as I step into this world. And you made a difference. Somebody made a difference in your life. Hey, we have an opportunity to do that. Listen, that's a big deal to us at 1910. And so there's a lot of stuff happening. And why are we sharing with all this with you? Because I just want to let you know something. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be issuing a challenge to you. And we're going to be offering you the opportunity to partner with us in this ministry that God's called us to. We, 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 we are going to be looking for people that will, will sign to be a ministry partner in helping us fulfill the call of this house. We've been looking at some of the foundational things. Over the next few weeks, we're going to begin to share with you some, some, some of the trajectory that God has us on and where we're headed. And we're going to invite you. Hey, you do not want to miss the party. You do not want to miss the fun. There are a lot of things you can choose to connect with and unite with. But listen, I want to invite you to be a part of a house that is 
serious about advancing the good news of Jesus Christ and building the kingdom of God. You will have an opportunity to do that. We would love for you to join us. Today, I want to share with you something that that I think is important for you as you're kind of making up your mind about if you want to partner with us or not. And and it's a big deal to me because um, 16, 17 years ago, when when God called Pastor Angie and I, my wife, to to step out of a ministry that we loved and where we were seeing fruit and and it was great and, and supportive, but God called us to to, to, to start this new work that we now, now know as 1910. God was very specific when he gave me some words. He said, I'm not, I'm not just calling you to, to plant a church. I'm calling you to influence a city. God, God, God said, I'm not calling you and Angie to step out and leave something just to, I don't need you to plant a church, but I need you to influence a city. And so we said yes to that not knowing what that was all about. We'd been youth pastors for 16 years and, 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 and we loved students. We still love students. And, 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 and we were just, but, but we just felt like there was more that God wanted to do, that there were lost people that needed a touch from the savior. Amen. And, and I look around this room and I see many of you that were with us back then, and you're still here. And Thanks for putting up with our mess for 16 years and, and you're still here because here's what I believe. I believe that you drank the Kool-Aid and you believe in the vision of the house. Vision is what keeps people. And so you believe in this also. You guys are influencers and you wanted to make a mark, leave a mark on a community. And there's a question that I oftentimes ask myself and, and it consumes me a lot of times. And there have been some seasons in my life in which the answer to this question has, has been a little bit easier for me and has brought me joy and excitement. But then there are some times in which I'm like, man, I just don't know. Just don't know. And the question that I oftentimes find myself asking to remind me if if we're hitting our, our mark and doing what God called us to do is, is this, that if 1910 closed its doors tomorrow, would this city miss us? If, if, if we were to, 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 to shut it down tomorrow, and, and, and close our doors. God, have, have we been the people that you've wanted us to be? And have, have we been out there and have we been influencing? Have we been meeting needs and touching people? And uh, God, do, do people see the joy of the Lord in us? Have we been lied in a dark place? But, but God, if we were to close the doors to this house tomorrow, would our city even notice? Wow. So many churches close every week. Hundreds of churches close every week. And so many pastors step aside and so many others just leave. But, but I just wonder if we're really making a difference. And I ask myself that, you know, one of the things that, uh, compels us and, 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 and the thing that this influencing a city, the charge it puts in us as a church is, 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 is I have to remind myself of, of what Jesus was like when he started a ministry here on earth. When, when, when Jesus came and what was Jesus all about? Again, we've already said we're a church that's focused on Jesus. We're going to sing about and preach about and point people to him. But, but if we could learn how to be the people of God, we probably ought to look at the son of God and see how he operated while he was here as a human being. And so if you guys are okay with that today, we're going to look at the Bible. Are you all right with that? That, that's another thing that we believe in here. We believe in God's word. And so we, we read it and we look at it and we let it challenge and inspire us on how we should live. 
But listen, you, you, you cannot look through the gospels at the life of Jesus. And, and what you're going to find is that Jesus cared about people. And, and, and Jesus wasn't one of those rabbis that, that, that said, hey, listen, I'm only going to care about people during um, worship at the temple for an hour on, on Sunday. And it all revolves around me and what I can do. No, no. Jesus was the type of, of rabbi that, that, well, he loved people so much. Check this out. This was really radical. He went to where they were. And, and, and Jesus loved people so much that his desire was while he was here on earth to, he wanted to fulfill in his father's will in heaven. He wanted to build the father's kingdom, not Jesus's kingdom, the father's kingdom. And, and, and when you build the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is all about people. The kingdom of God is not brick and mortar. The kingdom of God is about people. And so when you read the gospels and when you look at the life of Jesus, you're going to see that he cared so much about people that he was a rabbi that was constantly on the move. He was nomadic. He was always moving around, right? In fact, 80% of Jesus's ministry centered around a three mile radius around the sea of Galilee. That's where he spent the majority of his time. And, 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 and Jesus would go and minister and travel and touch people's lives, healing people physically. Come on. How many of you know that Jesus can heal people? Amen. I just prayed with a lady out in the hallway before I came in here today. So I was late into the worship. Sorry, pastor Allen, but I was praying over somebody that needed healing. And so we just believe we don't heal people. Jesus does, but we step into that in agreement with heaven. And we ask for Jesus to come and be Jehovah Rapha, right? God who heals. And so but we believe Jesus healed people physically, but more importantly, Jesus healed people spiritually. Let's look at God's word real quick. I'm going to lock and load. We're going to go today. Matthew chapter nine. Look about, look how Jesus ministered and what his, what his, um, uh, oh, I don't know what I want to say here. This is how he functioned and operated. I'm just going to say it that way. Look what it says beginning in verse 35 of Matthew nine, Jesus traveled. What did Jesus do? Travel right there. You see, a, you see a rabbi that's on the move. You see that Jesus was not locked in and in, in, in secluded in one location, but Jesus traveled. In fact, it says he's traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom. There's his message. Jesus was never about tooting his own horn. Jesus was never about building big structures. Jesus was never about having his name in lights, but Jesus was about preaching the good news about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is all about what? People. It's about people. Listen, if you don't hear another word I say today, I hope you hear this. God loves you. He loves you so much that he would come to earth in the form of this man, Jesus, that we're reading about. And he would go to people when people wouldn't come to him or when they couldn't or wouldn't, he went to them. That's the Jesus that we worship here today. And he says he healed every kind of disease and illness. Verse 36 says, when he saw the crowds, he had what? Compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Hey, does that verse right there not describe the culture in which we live in today? Come on. Do we not live in a day and a time in which there are so many people that are confused and helpless? In fact, some of you today may fall under those categories, confused and helpless. 
They were like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep are really dumb animals, some of the dumbest on earth, right? But, but they need a shepherd. They need somebody to guide them and, and to, to lead them. And, and I'm telling you, that verse there just is so defines our culture in which we live in today. And you know something, Jesus wasn't put off with culture. He wasn't put off with people that were confused and helpless. He, he wasn't put off with people that voted differently. He wasn't put off with people that, that chose maybe a different lifestyle. He wasn't put off with people that, that used different language or words that he didn't. No, he, he saw them as people that needed a touch from heaven. They needed Jesus. That's why he went to them. It's our culture. Guys, listen, this is no time for us to sit and soak and play it safe as the church of Jesus Christ. It is time for us to steal a page from Jesus's playbook and go to where the confused and helpless are. To those who need a shepherd, we need to go and represent him in those environments. Are you with me today? You better talk back to me. I will keep you here all night. We will order pizza and stay. Verse 37, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. And so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Again, we see here Jesus, a savior that a rabbi that moves, he goes to where people are. Look what it says in John chapter one, verse 14. We read the beginning of John that the, the word was in the beginning, was with God, was God. But look what it says in verse 14. The word became human and made his home among us. He made his home among us. You see, it's just, that's that imagery to me of Jesus coming to where we are. He, he wasn't secluded somewhere and say, hey, good luck. Try to find me. No, he came to us. Do you understand that heaven has come to earth? It came as a baby born in a manger. His name is Jesus. Fully human, yet fully divine, fully God. And he made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. I love the story in Luke chapter 19, one of my greatest favorite chapters of all the Bible. Luke chapter 19, you ought to read it. The first 10 verses are killer. They're awesome. We read about a man by the name of Zacchaeus, a tax collector. Jesus is going to the town of Jericho. Zacchaeus and the crowd find out that Jesus is on the way. They've heard stories of him. We know that Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. And he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord. I do think that Zacchaeus wanted to get a bird's eye view of Jesus. And because of his stature, maybe that hindered or limited him. But I also think that Zacchaeus was scared of his, for his own life. You see, he was a tax collector. He was born a Jew, but yet sided with the enemy, the Roman government and begin to work for them, begin to collect taxes from his own people. He's working for the enemy. And on top of that, he's skimming off the top. He's living a bougie lifestyle like they do out in, yeah, he's just bougie, you know? And, and, and he's just 
he's, so I don't think it was just because he was short in stature he needed to see, but I think he was scared of what people were going to do to him as well, right? But I love in Luke chapter 19, of all the people that day, Jesus coming to Jericho. You know, Jesus might have gone to Jericho just to have this time with Zacchaeus. You know that? And I love what it says in verse five. It says, when Jesus looked up to Zacchaeus, he called him by name. Stop the bus. (laughs) Of all the people there that Jesus knew, he knows this tax collector that people don't like, that has a bad reputation. Hey, is that not comforting and encouraging to some of us here today that despite who we are and what our reputation is, that Jesus still knows us and he calls us by name and he loves us. And if that's not enough to get you shouting at me right now, you need to say, Hey, Zacchaeus, I need you to come down because I must be a guest in your home today. What's Jesus? That's rude. Jesus, you invite yourself to somebody's house. Who does that? That crazy uncle that you don't want to see in the holidays is what does that, right? But this is Jesus we're talking about. Zacchaeus out of all, bro, Zacchaeus, come on down. I've got to go to your house today. Again, we see a savior that comes to us. He didn't say, hey, Zacchaeus, listen, I need you to come down by next Sunday at 11 and then come to church, come to temple because I got a word for you there. He said, hey, Zacchaeus, I want you to come on down and and close your eyes and count to 10 and I'm going to go run and hide and you come find me somewhere in the city. No. He said, okay, come on down because I'm going to your house. Ooh, the religious people hated that. You know, religious people get upset when you start hanging out with notorious sinners is what they call them. Religious people get upset when you start acting in ways that they don't think you should act or saying things you're not supposed to say. And why would you hang out? with sinners. I'm going to tell you something, church. If we as believers don't hang out with lost people who are in need of a savior, we will not see anybody else in heaven. Heaven will stop and we will not fulfill the great commission. We need to rub shoulders with people like Zacchaeus. We really do. We really do. And I love what it says in verse nine, Jesus responded. He went to Zacchaeus's house and he says, salvation has come to this home today. Again, why don't I share all that with you? Because again, I'm hoping you see the picture that we have a savior. Jesus was constantly on the move. He was constantly on the go. When you look at the Bible, you see Jesus going to people when people wouldn't come to him or when they wouldn't come to him. That's when you look at the Bible. But when you look at our culture today, There are unbelievers all around us in our culture. Would you agree with that? And they're not running to the house. They're not running this morning to fill it up today. So all the more urgency of this message that I'm sharing with you today, that we as believers learn from our master, Jesus, And we begin to live and approach culture and people and ministry the way he did. We go to influence a city. We go, we invite ourselves in to the homes and to the world and to the lives of people that need a touch from heaven. Are you with me today? That's what Jesus was all about. When are we going to wake up and understand that we are representatives of Jesus? 
He's not here today physically, but his spirit lives within us as believers. And we are to look like him and to live like him. In fact, we use a term in churches today called we are to be missional. What kind of church are y'all? Oh, we're a missional church. What do they mean when they say that? Well, if you're to be a missional body, a missional church, that means that you go to people and you live like Jesus. I go to where lost, hurt, broken people, dazed and confused, helpless and harassed people are. And I simply try to live like Jesus in those environments. I want to represent him. I want to live like him. Hey, can I tell you something? I long for the day when, when the church is out in the city making a radical difference for the kingdom of God. Yeah, I tell you what, you know what the greatest revival is? The greatest revival is when we get out in our city and we see transformed lives take place. We see marriages transformed. We see kids' lives transformed. Our schools look different. Our cities, city hall meetings look different. Come on. That's true revival. True revival is not building bigger buildings or filling up smaller churches. True revival are transformed lives. That's what we're praying for. But that only happens when we see our calling is to get out where people are and meet needs. Don't just plan a church. Influence a city. That's what we have been about for 16 years. And, and, and we want to empower you to live on that same mission with us. Listen, this thing called the Great Commission cannot be fulfilled by just a few Christian daredevils, pastors and staff and, and missionaries. No, no, it's going to require, listen, the Great Commission is singular in purpose. It requires all of us to be a part of it. And our goal as a church is to create times like this to encourage you, to give you a little boost, to give you a new word, a new angle, to give you an opportunity to pray and ask the God of heaven to, to, to guide you. But we create those moments, but we send you out. We want to empower you to live on mission. That's why we're here. That's why we offer groups for you to plug into like Radiant, Man U, or Discipleship Studies. That's, that's why we offer prayer training and prayer opportunities. That's why we, we create, but we want to empower you to live on mission. Listen, if there's anything you need to know about this church and what we're going to be about, it's that. We want to equip you to go live the life that you were created for. That's what we're about. That's true Revival getting out in the streets, seeing lives transformed, changed. That's what we're going to be about. And we do not have time to waste. In fact, let me just read a couple other scriptures to you. Our band's going to come back up and, and we're going to challenge you and give you an opportunity to respond today. But look what it says in Colossians chapter four, verse five, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Hey, do you take advantage of every moment to live for and represent Jesus Christ? I'll be honest with you. I waste a lot of times. Do you? Come on, anybody else? How many of you missed some moments this week? Probably. Thank you. <laughs> Two of us are honest. Thank you for that. So, look, look, look what it says in Ephesians chapter five, verses 15 and 16. Be careful how you live. Uh-oh. Don't live like fools 
but live like those who are wise. Why? Verse 16 says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Guys, I don't have to tell you that the days in which we live in are evil. Can I just remind you that there are people, even as we've been gathered for these 70 minutes in this room, that have died and they're without Jesus. And so their eternity is sealed in a place called hell. Church, we cannot afford to sit around and wait for another opportunity. You're alive and living this day and this moment. What will you do with it? Can, can I just give you a bonus verse real quick? It's not on the screen, so you're going to trust me. We start in Matthew chapter 9. I read through the end of chapter 9, 38. says, harvest is plentiful, workers are few. Ask the Lord to send more workers into his field. The very next chapter is Matthew chapter 10. The very first verse is verse 1. That's normally how it works. 9, then 10, and 1 starts before. Anyway, Jesus says this. Jesus called his 12 disciples together. And he gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Now, we like that verse. I like that verse. And some of us are a little freaked out over the last part of that verse. But can you focus on the first two words in this verse? Matthew 10, verse 1, the first two words. Jesus called. goes on to give the names of the 12 that Jesus called. Jesus called them. He didn't draft them. He didn't ask them to volunteer and sign up, stop by connections to do so. He, he, he didn't coerce them, force them. He didn't twist their arm. Jesus called these 12 men to come and be a part of an incredible assignment. Can I just tell you, I think that call is happening today. I believe that God is looking for persons that will say, you know what, God? I want to step out and live for you. And, 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 and I want to build your kingdom. I want to advance your story, your gospel story the good news. I, I want to share with others the radical transformation that has taken place in my life. God, I am, I, listen, in fact, can I just have you stand with me today? I, I, I just wondering today if God might be calling someone in this room to say, you know what? I'm willing to step out to be used by God in a kingdom assignment. If, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do that, I just wanna, I'm gonna ask you to physically move down front today to the front of this stage. God's calling you to step out to be used by him in a mighty way. You don't know what that is right now. You just simply know that, hey, you want people to experience the same Jesus that has changed and transformed your life. If that's you, come on. If there's a man in this house that needs to come forward today, you're gonna step out. I want you to come. Ladies, where are you at? Come on, where are you at? I'm not, I'm not, you just simply obey the spirit of God right now. You just simply obey the spirit. I want to be a part of kingdom work, God. Lord, I want to advance your message. I, I, I want to be used by you in a radical way. 
Jesus is calling some of you today to be used by him. Awesome. Y'all come on up, squeeze. There's people in the aisles. Y'all come on up close. It's okay. Splash them. This is anointed down here. You might get spit on, but it's okay. Come on down. Just kidding. I won't do that. Can I pray over you guys? Because it's people like you. Like I read, like there was Peter. Peter's brother, Andrew. There's John and James, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew. There's James. Thaddeus, Judas Iscariot, or Simon, diverse group, husbands, fathers, single people, professionals, some that didn't graduate from Hebrew school, some that work with their hands, some that dress the part, some that smelt like fish. But God called them, and he's calling you today. I want to pray over you right now in this moment. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for how you work and how you call people to be a part of kingdom work. Just as you called 12, Lord, there is a mass of people in front of me today that you are calling that are saying, I want to be used by God in some form or fashion. I want to build his kingdom. There's an assignment on my life. I don't know what that is, but I'm going to press in and God, you're going to speak to me and show me what that is. And God, they've come today. They want to be used by you. God, I'm asking right now, God, that you would begin to reveal to them a specific role there to play in building your kingdom. And God, your kingdom is all about people. It's not about brick and mortar. Your kingdom is not 1910. No, we are a part of building your kingdom, but your kingdom is not 1910. It's what's the kingdom of God, and that's people. And so God, use us We step forward today. We step out of seats and aisles and we come forward because we are declaring we want to be used by you to make a difference. So here we are, Lord. Use us in Jesus' name. Amen.